Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 33 of the From Entrepreneur, and I am sitting with an incredible guest. I'm so excited to finally hear his story. I've been a big fan for many years. I have Rabbi Nachman Seltzer here with me today. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, I'll call you Nachman for the interview. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Rabbi Nachman. It's, it's great uh, to be here. It's, hey, we have Nachman Nachman. It's going to be a... That's right. Okay, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Looking forward. Yeah, so first of all, I just want to tell my audience that uh, we did absolutely zero preparation for this. Right, right I, off the cuff. I, right off the cuff. I, I offered you, I said, hey, I could send you my list of questions. I, you know, There's usually some preparation. And uh, we, we just we just bumped into each other yesterday, right? And I said, hey, you got to come to my show. I said, okay, how about let's do it tomorrow? I'm like, sure, let's do it. I'll send you something. You're like, no, don't send me anything. I, I like to do it off the cuff. And you know what? I said, you know what? If he's going to do it off the cuff, I'm going to do it off the cuff also. <laughs> I'm not going to prepare any questions, but uh, and we'll just see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a story. Once, uh, the first time I was on the Country Aussie show, years ago, my first album came out, Chakalai. So he says to me okay so you'll be on the show tomorrow morning i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you some questions i said like what are you gonna ask me he says don't worry i'm not gonna ask you about the peace process <laughs> i said now i'm disappointed i don't want to like you know nothing quite i want some real serious questions country right. Aussie. anyways so. so well we're gonna we're gonna speak about the peace pro- no there's no peace process but uh <laughs> we're gonna speak i mean i'm just i'm just intrigued you know obviously you know people know you're, you're an author you're a speaker you have a choir there's you're a writer there's so much going on with you i want to get a little bit first you know what i usually do with uh people i interview is we go into a little bit of their backgrounds so i want to where were you from where you born how'd you get from you know where you're born to where you are today so let's just uh, do a little bit of that background okay. all right so i was born in new york and i grew up in new york in flatbush and then borough park till i was 14 years old we're talking about uh you know camp romamu camp camp aguda Miami boys choir you were in Miami boys choir my Miami boys choir from uh yeah until i was until we moved to Eretz Israel. Oh wow! And uh, you know, I was on the album in Ashimayim and Miami Experience One and Two. Can I can I sing? Can you sing? Do you want to sing in the car? I'm not really. No, okay, I want to sing. Cause it's Min Hashemayim. You're very good. Whatever. Yeah, but I don't have a great voice. We should do an album together. <laughs> <laughs> That'll sell absolutely zero. <laughs> but uh, I definitely a uh, big fan of the man voice. So you're on that album. That's I was awesome. on that album. I was a soloist in, in Animamin in the in the song Animamin, which is one of Miami's you know. Hits, big hits. Right. And so at, at night, so we're talking about a regular American kid, you know, the regular camps and uh, yeshivas, Tarvadas, and um, my parents decided to move to Israel. And I was Your 14. parents decided to move to Israel? Yes. Oh, oh, so I had to oh, come wow. by myself. Came together, family. I was 14. And uh, one day I'm in Camp Aguda, and then three days later, we're on a plane to Eretz Israel. End of the summer, and uh, we landed in Eretz Israel. We moved into a little town called Emmanuel in the West Bank. Sure. And... A few days after that, I'm in Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. They don't speak English there. We only speak Hebrew. <laughs> so you were 14. You moved from Flatbush to Emmanuel. From, from, you yeah. get thrown into a Yeshiva in Bnei Brak where they don't speak Hebrew. They don't speak English. Right? I'm sorry, they don't speak English. And you're you're not so fluent yet in Hebrew. Not, not really not after fluent. three days. And, and also, like, I was able to communicate a little bit in Yiddish. I also, there, were, there was a Hasidic Yeshiva. So I was the only one who dressed like Litvish. Right. It's the only one in the whole Yeshiva pretty much who dressed Litvish. And nobody spoke English. Oh, my god. So it was gosh. very interesting. Plus, there were no showers because it was a Hasidic Yeshiva. So if you want to take a shower, you have to go to Mikvah. Oh, you, you, slept, you slept in Bnei Brak. I slept in the dorm. It was Manuel right, is, is, is a bus ride. It's, a, right, it's right. like an hour. It's like an hour and a half away. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's like three days after I moved to Israel. Oh my gosh. That was very interesting. How many brothers sisters do you have? I'm an only child. Oh, your only child. Okay. Yeah. So what what possessed your parents to just pick up and move there to Israel like that? So you know they they really were hoping that I would develop into this 
to the Derek, the Hasidish Derek, and they were hoping that would be you know, in Eretz Yisrael. In America, we weren't so Hasidish. And then in Eretz Yisrael, they were always like, they always wanted to, you know, but so they, they came to Eretz with the with the idea, with the hope that that was the yeshiva that they were hoping that I would, that, you know, that they were going to send me to that was going to turn me into a, but it never really happened. And I was, <laughs> I always stayed like I was in America. I stayed, I stayed Lipfish. And after a few years in this yeshiva, which I learned, I learned it was great learning, and it was the 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 Rebbeim from were from Panovich, the Rashi was the Panovich, the the Rashi the Shivgadel was the Rav Ashtod. It was a lot of Tamid Chachamim, and it was great learning. And after a few years of, of that, I, I moved on to you know, I started going to American Yeshivas, then I went to learn in Lakewood by Rishai Treff, and then the Mir for fifteen years. So the Mir in New York, the Mir, no the Mir in Eretz oh, for fifteen years. Oh, wow. So I, I moved, I, I I stayed there. I was there like tolerated the situation for a few years. Right. And when I got old enough, I moved to a an, to an American Yeshiva, and and that's where I stayed after that. And you got smicha, you said. When you were in the middle, I took a break. I, I was learning by Rav Yitzchak Berkowitz by the Jerusalem Kol, and I got smicha by Rav Yitzchak Berkowitz. Oh, amazing. So I was there for about two and a half years by Rav Yitzchak Berkowitz, and I got smicha there, and then I went back to the mayor full time. Okay, I may want to backtrack a bit because that, that's, this is a, you know, an amazing story. But what, so tell me about the Miami Boys Choir thing. How did that work out? How, like, did they approach you? Did you approach them? Did you have to they apply? How does that work? They don't approach They don't approach people. you. No. I was, I, as a kid, Seattle Deshmaya came out, and I loved it. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I remember when it came out, I was like six. Oh, I was wow. six years old. It came. It was, it was such a great. It was such a great album. It was great. I used to listen to it in my room all the time, and I was like, "This is this is my dream. This is the dream." You know, I want to be in this choir. Right. And I tried out when I was nine, and I did not get in. Why oh, didn't I get wow. in? He had a way. He used to try. Hamil began to try out. He would play these notes on the piano, and you would have to sing. Like you'd be like, "Ding," and you go la. And I didn't understand what he wanted. I was nine. I had no idea what he wanted. I, what does that mean? Hit the note on the piano, sing the note. I didn't understand. He didn't sing a song. I didn't get it. I tried it I, I, again when I was twelve. I was say you had a good voice. You liked to sing. A great at the time. voice. If you would have asked me to sing a song, I would have gotten in. Uh huh. But he didn't ask. Wow. So then I came back when I was twelve. And I tried it again, and this time I was ready to do the notes, but he didn't ask me, asked me to sing a song. I sang a song, and I got in, and then he set me up to sing. Even before I got in officially, he asked me to, to do a concert. The choir was going to, to Baltimore for Hanukkah, and he asked me to do a, a concert as Dove Dove. Dove Dove is a the kid's book. tape. The, the, kid, the tape, the, 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 the I book. I remember the books, do you know? And there was something called Dove Dove and the Great Bicycle Race. So there was a concert with Dove Dove, and I, so he asked me to do it, and then I got into the choir. So I was in the choir for about a year and a half. Wow, that's so funny. So first of all, just a quick Dove Dove story with me. I once, uh, I was a big fan of Dove Dove, you know, mm-hmm. as young, younger. And uh, when I was in Yeshiva, I guess uh, in Eretz Yisrael, I guess when I, I must have been 18, 19, and I was set up to uh, go to a Suda somewhere in Yerushalayim. I think it was Matasdorf. And um, I, uh, I went to this family and we're talking and it was the writers of Dove Dove. It was, uh, I think it was- From a, Baltimore, a, right? I, I, I don't remember. I just remember them telling me, because this was, this was a while ago. Yeah. But they're from Baltimore? I'm not from Baltimore. No, they were they're, from Baltimore. I think so. And so they, they said, yeah, well, I actually write the Dove Dove stories and Dove Dove is my son. And they were showing me pictures. I'm like, you, you, you're the Dove Dove's mommy? I mean, this is like great. It was like such an incredible experience. <laughs> so you just get set up by somebody's house and it turns out, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. But Okay, so going back to Mammy Boys, first of all, Mahera is my favorite. One of my favorite. And it's my favorite. Oh, so I walk down to the aisle. I to love Mahera. that song. I love that song. That and and Ofi Nat, right? He's he the low he soloist. Was, he was the low soloist over there. Um I became friends with him and we worked in uh, Camp Ronanu uh Ronanu Day Camp together. Great, great song. Oh, yeah. Love it. I, I it's it's my personal favorite. I every time I hear it now, like kids know when they play it, I start to cry. Dun, dun, no, don't dun, do this. No, there's not on the air. You don't understand it. I got engaged that song I had it playing in the background when I was proposing to my wife and then I walked down the aisle to it oh. and it's just I think it's my it's like my favorite Miami Boys Choir song oh yours also yeah, you think. didn't just take that because I said that's no mine. no I love that song. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's one of the Besiat Deshmaya Meheira Besiat Deshmaya is also Meheira is great Kiatahu you know Kiatahu sure of course yeah, it's, I mean but I love Meheira 
Yeah. yeah, I love it. That was like a dream of mine to sing that high part solo, which I I didn't. I never got that. Never got that. <laughs> it was always Ari and, and Nathan Stark. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting choked up now. <laughs> okay, well then. So first, so who else? Yeah, so I was going to ask you who else was in the choir at the time when you were there. So yeah, Ari Goldberg was there. Ari Goldberg was there. And and, and Nachum Stark was there. Mm-hmm. Those were the Yitzchak Rosenthal, who was the composer of Shalshelis and the producer of Shalshelis, was there. Wow. And let's see who else. Oh, the big name. Oh, Shlemy Kaufman from AK Appella was there. Oh wow! For a very short time, he had to leave because of yeshiva. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of a lot of talent there. And how did how what was practice? I mean, you were you were said you were 11, 12 years old, twelve, right? Yeah. How 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 often did you practice? Did you have to every go? Sunday was practice, right? And before concerts, it was usually Tuesday and Thursday also. Uh huh. So it was like once on a normal week would be once a week. Before concerts would be three times a week or twice a week. Wow. So, I mean, any regrets to that decision joining Miami? Gordon? No, no, no. It, it was, was a great a- decision. I, I learned a lot. It was it was a wonderful, wonderful decision. It was a lot of work, which is I tell you know parents today when they come to me and they say, "Can you? I want my kid to be in the choir," and I say, "This is going to change his life. If you stick with me for four or five years, then this will change your son's life because he will learn what it means to work. He will learn what it means to have a goal, to attain his goals, and he will take that and use it in his whole life. Anything he wants to do, he knows he can now do it. And and the alumni from my choir." Baruch Hashem, they're they're amazing boys, and they're the top boys consistently in the yeshivas. Wow! And it's I I believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've learned what it means to work hard for a goal and to achieve their goal. That's it, and, and you can't put a price. I'd also on that. also imagine the confidence it builds in you. I call it the cheapest therapy. For the biggest results, <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you got you have to have confidence when you go up and you sing in front of people, and you know that will stay with you. Uh, I guess in whatever these you do boys in life. will go up and they'll be at the at a hotel at a Shabbos without music in front of a thousand people singing without backup. Like today, nobody really sings anymore. I don't know if you know this, it's all recorded. Nothing is real, and a lot of people who perform, even the soloists, are are recorded, pre-recorded, pre-recorded. And Nothing just, is real. These really? kids, my choir, they're singing. A, it's real. They're standing. There. There's no music. On the Shabbos, they'll be singing by themselves, a kid in the whole dining room. Everyone's watching him. And this he will take with him for the rest of his life. He will be a confident, well-adjusted, healthy person with tremendous self-esteem, not gaiva, self-esteem. And it's gonna be, he's a built kid. His wow. marks change. His social standing changes. It's just it, it affects him in so many healthy, positive ways. But I'm sure there's, I mean, when it comes to choirs, you know, what about the negative? Um, what negative? Let's say, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying in terms of, like, I shouldn't say negative, but let's say in terms of gaiva, like how do you, do you teach that? Is that something you approach? No. Direct to no, that? I, I don't find it's an issue. Really? Really. I'll tell you a funny thing. Yeah. The kids who are really talented and really good are never are never gaivadic. It's the kids who feel they're not as good who are the ones who are trying to make up for it, so they're gaivadic. But it's not it's not real gaiva because they know they're not really that good. And the really good kids don't have gaiva. Interesting. Because interesting. they know it's a gift from Hashem. I don't even have to address this. You don't this. even have to address it. Never. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. Okay, so wait. So we're back. At, so we're in Manual. We're in Yeshiva where we just jumped like 20 years. But okay, so then you get you. So where were you when you got married? I was in learning in the mirror. You're learning in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Okay. By Nissen Kaplan. I was a Talmud of Nissen Kaplan. Wow. And uh, Baruch Hashem, he's still my Rebbe, which I say, if you want success in life, you need to have a Rebbe. Say the Harav. Yeah, say the Harav. As, as they say in Black Hattitude. I don't know if you remember Black Hattitude. I remember Black Hattitude. Attitude, right? So the, doc, the, the the scholar, the force, and the doc. He said, "Man, yo, man, if you're not yeshiva, anything, anything can happen." I said, "If you have, if you don't have a rebbe, anything can happen. You need have a rebbe. You have a rebbe." Any people ask, "Are you? Are you? Would you be afraid to win the lottery?" I say, "No, I have a rebbe. Like I'm not afraid to win. If you have a rebbe and you follow his his das Torah, then you, your life. You, that's that's the the key to success. Amazing. I really believe this. This is a, an emis 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 thing. My whole family adopted my rebbe as their rebbe. Once once I I, I married to a family with eight kids. They all adopted Reb Nissen as their rebbe. 
Beautiful. So it's very, very important. important lesson. That's uh, that's great. So that's what I was. I was in the mirror, the Chaim Center. He was also in his Chaburah in the mirror. He was the he's Rosh Shiva, the center's Yeshiva. So I was his first Talmud in the mirror, and so I had Rav Chaim Tzvi and Rav Nissen Kaplan from the mirror, and that was where I was at, at the, when I was twenty one. I got engaged, and twenty two, we got married. Yeah. Well, and you lived where'd you live when you first? So we we lived in Ramat Chemish from the beginning. Really? Yeah. What year was that? That, must that was fifteen years ago. Wow, that's when I mean, things were just, I mean, I came about 14 years ago. We bought the last apartment that was for sale in my building. Wow, wow, amazing. So, and you've lived in Ramapi Chemish ever since. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I just want to go back to Black Hattitude a second, okay. because that album had a, had a, I remember when that came out, it was like, they only came out with one album. One album. And it was a big hit. I mean, I mean, we were listening to it in Yeshiva all the time. It was just so great. One's off the Harvard, the other to Penn. They put on their tefillin every now and then. The nice big house, white picket fence, traditional Jews, nothing too intense. Come home with a girl. Hi, my name is Jane. We want to get married. Simple. And plain, but son, they say she ain't boom. even Jewish. So boom. what, old man? You're sounding boom. so foolish. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, memories. How do you remember these that lyrics? Was, well, it played in the dorm a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who was behind that? Do you remember offhand? Josh Streicher. Josh Streicher, right? He was in the mirror, yeah. and Josh was behind it. Yeah. But he, he, I mean, I that, think he wrote it. He was one of the main, the main guys. I think he needs to come out with a sequel. And, Twenty years and later, Mitch, I think, I Mitch. There were three know. people behind it. They recorded by Jeff Hurwitz, and I remember when it came out. It was like <laughs> it was, they wouldn't do it today. I think they're embarrassed that they did it. <laughs> they are, really? I think so. They're very yeshivish guys. They're Taira. I don't think they're proud of what they did. It was like one of those, you know, the stuff you do when you're young. You gotta get out of your right, system. You gotta and then, we gotta put out an album. And then it's like what Black Hatter? I never heard of that. You know? <laughs> what? what? We gotta, I gotta find some tracks and post it on this podcast. We gotta, uh, gotta bring the back attitude. Uh, That's it. <laughs> when the Papa held go. <laughs> okay, so you, so let, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I don't even know what came first, what came second, but you started writing, you became an author multiple times. Uh, how many books do you have now? So we just published our 22nd book. 22nd. 23rd will be coming out of March. Wow, what's the 23rd one about? Rabbi Yosef Wallace, the CEO of Arachim. The book, I think, as of now, tentatively, we're going with the title called Incredible. Incredible. It because every person who heard the story said, this is incredible. <laughs> Rabbi Meir Zlatowicz, the head of art school, said, why don't we call the book incredible? Because this guy is the most incredible guy. It's, it's probably the most incredible story I've ever heard. That's tremendous. Thing, a lot, uh, you know. I mean, you've heard I know. thousands of stories. Told That's why we're calling it incredible. <laughs> not only that, but but I've told you my, one of my stories that you published, and which was great, which was great. But, it was it's great. Not, it but his his story is is unique. It's just unique. You don't hear stories like that. We're going. We're talking Spain. The last his ancestor, the last Jew to be burned at the stake in, in Palma de Mallorca. We're talking Holocaust. The father who almost who was about to be hung with tefillin on, and what happened and why he wasn't. We're talking the you know buying pig in a store and why he didn't buy it, and which would eventually lead him and his family become religious. We're talking a man who, who as a CEO of Arachim, Israel's premier cure of organization, has brought back over 165,000 people to do teshuva. Oh so we're talking about a phenomenal story, which wow. is why the book really can be called incredible. I can actually <laughs> hold that. No, know? I like that. I, mean, I'm, I'm not, I want to I want to read it now. <laughs> it's, I, I, you <laughs> you know, wait a couple I know months. you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's going to be your 23rd book. 23rd book. So talk to me about your first book. My first what was book, that like? How did that happen? Okay, what was the process? So, what happened? so you know, I, I toyed with the idea of writing. I was always good at writing. I was always good with vocabulary. See, I never went to high school. You have to, you have to remember that. No. Right, because you moved to Israel moved when you're 14. So, went no, I never went to high school. Forget college. Yeah, high school. We didn't go to high school. Right. We finished. And, but I always, you know, in Tervadas, Tervadas education, you can't underestimate a Tervadas education. And even though I was only there in Tervadas for a few years, I received a really well-rounded secular education in Tervadas. And my, and my vocabulary was my mother read to me as a kid, and I, and I read a lot. And I was really into reading. And I, and I liked writing. I was good at writing, mm-hmm. creative writing. 
And anyway, so years passed, but I never thought about being a writer. That wasn't the dream. I, I wanted to open a choir. Oh, I wanted to work in music. Okay. I love teaching. But there wasn't a dream being a writer. And then one day, I'm talking to a, a friend of mine, Koilo, Simon Nissen, And he starts telling me the story about a friend of his. And it's an amazing story. I said, this, this story should be a book. And I remember that I was sitting by my in-laws. It was Mighty Chavez. And I told my mother-in-law, I said, I want to write a book. I said, I need a pad of paper. Do you have a pad of paper? And she said, sure. And she believed in me. She said, like, I believed in you. And not, not, most of the people did not believe I was going to actually do this. <laughs> right. So she gave me a pad of paper, yellow paper, lines paper. And I sat down and I wrote the first four pages of The Edge. And I kept on writing. I filled, I filled up one notepad and I took another one. And I kept on writing more and more. Every day I tried to write four pages. And before I knew it, like there was 200 pages. And okay, so is it a good book? I don't know. You know, I was writing it by hand. Right. Somebody, I, my grandmother was typing it for me. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was, and I was, eventually I had this file, this manuscript. So I didn't know if it's, is it, is it a good book? Is it good? I, I, I like it. Is it good? So <laughs> this is again, just to, for timing, this is, this is, I'm in Koylo by Yusuf Berkowitz. I'm, I'm oh, getting, I'm going for Smicha. And, and I'm writing on the way home. I'm writing on the way to Yeshiva, on the bus, I'm writing. And I give this book to the Koylo Every guy takes it home and his wife reads the book. And they love it. They love it. They write on the envelope, the manila envelope that the manuscripts in. They love it. Everyone writes their comments. Loved it. Amazing. Great. And, uh, and everyone loves the book. Okay. The book comes out. Well, how, what do you mean comes out? Where, who, I go to, so, okay. So why did I go in my first publisher? Why did I choose Targum Press? Yeah. So years before, a friend of mine, Ari Friedman, was related to the Dambis in Hernof. Rabbi Dambi, Zuchor Levracha, was the CEO of Targum Press. Mm-hmm. So I went for Shabbos with my friend to their house and I sat there in the, at their Shabbos table and I told them pretty much every book that they had published and all about it and the author and who was in it and the story and which one was good. And, which, and they're like, if you ever write a book, come to us. <laughs> so I did. I came to them and Mimi Zaykan was there. She was the editor-in-chief and, this would, and she would become a mentor of mine and little did I know, I'd be still working with Mimi Zaykan, you know, 15 years later in, in Art Scroll, which she brought me to Art Scroll. When she moved to Art Scroll, she would bring me to Art Scroll and we'd be doing so many books together. Like almost every book I did was together with Mimi Zaykan. She was my editor and she helped me and gave me direction and, and, and criticism when needed and, you know, constructive criticism. And I, many lines I've learned like the numbers don't lie or show don't tell to, to readers. There are so many things I've learned from Mimi Zaykan. And so Baruch Hashem, we've had this relationship that started in Targum Press. So they accepted the book. And the book right came away, out. I mean, like, how does? Well, no, they, it took them. I was, you know, I wasn't well known. It took right. them time. Today, when I send the book to Mimi, so she reads it, I get an answer, you know, quickly. But then it was, it took a long time. Because I, I want to talk a bit about, you know, how the market has changed, especially for from writers okay. today. So back then, so you would, you would give over the manuscript. Now, there was any type of? Uh, did they give any type of money up front? Or uh, I not with. T- not with Targum Press. But Targum Press was an interesting because it was like sort of a vanity press. I mean, you could, let's say you had a book on Chumash that nobody wanted to publish. Right. Or a book on Hashkafa that nobody wanted to publish. So you can come to Targum Press and you could pay and they would publish your book. Mosaica does this also. Right. So there's a, pretty much everyone does Everybody, this thing, well, except today, for Art Scroll. Except for Art Scroll. Art Scroll okay. is not a vanity press, which is why you know if you buy an Art Scroll, you know it's not that somebody's paying for it. You know there's a certain, there's a certain quality to that. You know, right. again, everyone's good. But, you know, when you buy a book, there's always a risk. But when you buy an Art Scroll book, so you know at least that it's Nobody paid for this. That's a certain Milo. Right. So I, I hear that. And it's, and it's something that I know today with authors. You know, I, I have my uh, first book coming out Hashem, in a couple of months. Uh, and through, we're looking through, forward to that. Thank you. <laughs> through uh, Mosaic Press. Called the From Entrepreneur, actually. Um, Which is a great name. Thank you. <laughs> name of this podcast. You need the names. You need the names. So, 
you know, and when thinking about it and, and when doing research, uh, you just make more money when you publish yourself as opposed to... I don't to, know if that's true. You don't know if that's true. I, I actually well, maybe don't it's, think maybe it's Maybe it's after true. your 22nd, 23rd book, you already have a name. Maybe it's a little bit different. I don't know. It's, it's, so it's let's not go so back. So back it's, then, the, it's the very debatable, I think. So back then, you, you published this book and what... The, you so did, what happens? So the book comes out. Wait, so you had to pay for it? In the, I did not pay for it. Okay. No, they liked it. It was a novel. They liked it. They felt that there was a market for it. And... I had a friend of mine in America. I said, do me a favor. Check the country LC list of best-selling books and tell me where it's at. So he calls me back to me. This lady says, it's number one on the list. Wow. I said, oh boy, that's great. That's great. Let me start writing my second book. So I sat down. Well, the first book, first of all, what was the feeling like when you got your first book in your hand? Oh, it was a great feeling. What was so great about it was that, you know, I was writing about Eretz Yisrael, a lot of The Edge, if you read The Edge, it's, I use Eretz Yisrael as a stage. All over, the whole country. And I was adding all the things I felt and about yeshiva life. And people really connected to that book because they felt, the, uh, here's a person writing about yeshiva life in, a, in an authentic way that nobody really ever wrote about yeshiva life. Like, like, it's obvious that this person went to yeshiva for many years and knows it from inside out. Like, I, I put a hakira in the book. I put a hakira meaning like this. There was a question in the yeshiva that I was writing about. Guys used to starch their shirts, right? And they loved the pocket being closed. Uh-huh. So yeshiva heard about this and he would go over to people Put his finger and in the put pocket. his finger in the pocket and open up <laughs> while he's talking to you, like unconsciously, as if he doesn't know what he's doing, and just like rip open your. Now the, the guys would go over to other guys and put their fingers in their pocket. <laughs> There's a Shiloh. Do guys like what's the reason guys starch their shirts? Do they starch their shirts because they like the pocket closed, or is that just an outcome of the fact that you starch their shirts? And it's like, a, and and if so, according to the reason, the reasoning that the reason why you starch your shirts because you like the pocket closed. So if somebody opens the pocket, then he has to pay you to starch it again, right? This is, this is, this is so. This is like a Shakira. People love this, and they felt they were really getting insight into the way it is. Right, in the unless dorm. you experience that, unless you live there, and you, you can't write not, that you can't if write you don't that. know it. So people love that, and they said, "Like, wow, somebody, nobody ever did that before." Nobody, and I, I, I went with this Isha a lot. I take this is one of the reasons I feel people connect to my stories. Is because I'll take a line. Let's say, as Yaakov turned, you know, swung the car left towards Yericho, Yaakov Shuaki swung into Ma 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 on the tapes radio. So the idea is on the Cars Radio. So the idea is like, I'm thinking, nobody ever did that before. Nobody ever wrote about Jewish music. Nobody wrote about the things that people are actually involved in. They wrote about these concepts. They didn't do what I was doing. Right. And a lot of people have done that since. Notably, Mishbacha Magazine, Dove Haller, Haller does that a lot. It's always about the matzav and, the, and he, he does it. He does it well. He's great. But before I did it, I don't think anybody did it. Mm-hmm. As a first. And I was writing, you know, I was writing in a way that people were really, were really into. And uh, Baruch Hashem, the book was, you know, was very much sliach. And that led me to the next book. And then... Well, how much did you make on that first book? Do you remember? Uh, I, or, or per book? I, you, I, to... you know, it was a long time ago. I made like thousands of shekel. I made like tens of thousands of shekel on that book. Wow. And, and for me, I was, I was, you know, remember, I was a young guy learning a Kylo. Right, and, and all of a sudden you get Suddenly this... I get like, you know, 5,000, 6,000, you know, dollars, you know, in your hand. Right. And you, you're like, wow, you know, here... Wow, I'm holding 15,000 shekel, you know? Right. And you're not used to that because you don't have a way of making that kind of money and suddenly you, you made money. Right. And it's, it's a great feeling. And people, what's even greater is that people love what you're doing. And, you know, your friend says, I'm in America on a bus and there's a lady pulling your book out of her bag and she's reading your book. <laughs> you know, I want to say, that's my friend, you know? Right. So that's a great feeling. And exactly, Baruch gives every, every person has talents. Every single person. Show me a person, I can show you their talents. But the, the person has to choose to use those talents. Now, let's say the person chooses to use those talents. Now the people have to like what you've done. So we're talking about a three-step process. Baruch Hashem, I have a talent. Hashem has given me a talent I can write. Now, Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm choosing to write. But the people have to like it. The right. fact that people like it, that's such a bracha. I, I, don't take that, I don't take that for granted. And every book has its own mazel. But it's an amazing thing to see. 
Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it's true. You know, people, you know, you have. The, I often, uh, you know, write and talk about. You know, people. You have an idea, but if you don't pursue that idea, if you don't get out there, and I think one of the reasons I've talked about this in the previous podcast is that people are afraid of rejection. People are afraid of the criticism. Right? So, so how how do you handle that? I'll tell you, you a story. Yeah. That's that's what brought me. That's really what this story I'm going to tell you was real was really my start. Okay, I had written the book The Edge. And I was thinking to myself, this was, we're talking about the earliest stages of Hamodia in English and Mishpacha in English. They're just starting. You know, there's no Ami magazine. In America, you have Yater. There's no Zman. We're talking about, this is the beginning of like what we know today of magazines. So I'm thinking, I want to write, start writing for newspapers. I wrote two novels. I should start writing for newspapers now. Actually, it was, I just finished my first novel. It wasn't even out yet. It was accepted. But it was, it was, it was going through editing at this point. The Edge. The Edge. So... Let me think. I'm thinking like I had this like one window of time in my day that I wanted to think. I was thinking maybe getting a job. I was trying to. Anyways, I'm not sure what to do. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm picking up. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have I don't, any direction. I'm not sure what to do. So one day I decide I'm going to go down to see this person I know who's involved in the writing business. And he's a speaker and a writer. And he's, he's a, I respect him, intelligent guy. I'm not going to say his name here. And I, I'm going to ask him if I could help him. I'll be his assistant. I'll write for him. And he has an office in Yushalayim. And I go down to those. This is my big plan. Like in my mind, there's no way this guy's turning me down. You know, right? Like this is my big plan. I don't even have a backup plan. Like <laughs> for sure, he's gonna take me. Anyways, I come to his office. No, I didn't call before anything. And the secretary says, "I, I said, can I speak to him for a second? And she says, "Yeah." And, and I and I go into his office. I say, "You know, you know me. My father-in-law, you dad in the same shul, whatever." Yeah, how you doing? Oh, good, Baruch Hashem. I said, "Listen, I, know, I I love what you do. Do you mind? Can I? Can you? Can you? Can I work for you?" He says, "I'm sorry. This is a very small operation. It's me and my secretary." You know, I go to the South of America, maybe open his, opening an office soon here in Yushalayim. Maybe he could get a job there. I'm like, I'm not just in politics. Like, that's not for me. Right. But thank you anyways. So I walk out of his office. I'm like, well, that was a bummer, you know. <laughs> that was my big plan. Right I have no other plan. Right. That's my plan, you know. So I remember the time, a friend of mine, you know Joel Padowitz? Yeah, sure. So Joel, he was learning the, the Jerusalem Kolo. And he says to me, you have this free, this like window of time. What would you do? Like, this is your chance. Do anything you want to do, like all your life. What is it that you want? I said, well, I'm doing it already. I'm writing. And I'm doing music. I had a choir already. So like, I'm doing the things I want to do. Like, anyways, I wasn't sure like what to do. I'm doing it, you know? Right. Anyways, so I'm in the office, in this office building. I walk out of this guy's office and I'm rejected, right? Just rejected. He didn't even look at what I did. He just rejected. Yeah, he just rejected. Yeah, he gives me an idea. But actually, I found that he talked to like 50 people that week, you know? <laughs> anyways, so I'm, I'm standing in the, in, in, the, in the lobby and I look at the directory of the offices and I see there's an office. It says... There's the name of a company. I never heard of the company. I don't know what they do. I said, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to see if they're looking for people. I don't know what they do, but maybe they're going to be interested in what I have to offer. I take the elevator up to the third floor. And no, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I just want to. I just want to. I'm sorry. This is just. You don't know what the company does. I don't know what the so company you know, does. Decide, I'm just going to go in I'm there. I'm just going to try one more do. time. How can I? Let me see what they're. Like, maybe they need this someone. Is in the same office. That same, you office same office building. Same office building. You're already dressed. You're already pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm full. I'm still full of confidence. Right. We're going to do this. So we go up to get to the third floor. And the sliding doors open up, glass doors, like electric, like really nice office. The secretary's sitting right when you come in, big desk, and she's on the phone. So I didn't wait. I just walked in the office and I started walking around the office. <laughs> I'm walking around, looking around, people on computers, very busy, good atmosphere, I like the vibe. It's very nice. And I'm walking around, looking at all the different people, till somebody comes over to me, a very well-known name in the Jewish world today, okay. in the writing world. He says to me, can I help you? I said, I don't know. I hope so. He says, what's your name? I tell him my name. He says, what do you want? I said, I'm looking for you know, a job, a certain amount of time. I have this little slot between Kylo and Kylo. He says, well, do you, are you a writer by any chance? I said, yes, I'm a writer. I just, just my first book is accepted. It's going to come out soon. He says, we outsource for a certain newspaper in America. We write it all here. So that's, you know, maybe it's going to be a shidduch. I said, great. 
He says, look, give me a sample of your work, and then we'll see. Right. I said, okay, how long will it take you to read? He said, give me two weeks. I'm like, two weeks? <laughs> just, read, just read the sample, man. You know? okay. Anyway, that's the way I work. I don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't take me two weeks. It's true. I mean, when I... <laughs> Just, well, we spoke that. yesterday. We spoke yesterday. All of a sudden, I said, hey, one of my, my, said, hey, can we'll you come on my show? You're like, okay, tomorrow morning. I'm like, uh, you're like 9.30. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and also, I, I, also when we when I bumped into you, I guess, a few months ago, we were by the, the, the mikvah store, right? Uh, uh, the Arab Shabbos. And I said, I have this story. I sat down. I spent probably 10, 15 minutes telling you my story. And I think within two or three days from memory, you sent me like a 10-page, 12-page story written up. I'm, it was just incredible. The speed and the accuracy and the memory was just phenomenal. Thank you very much. That now is, you're embarrassing uh, me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to grab, I was just, it was just very impressive. No, uh, I, I, see, like when you mentioned before, the, the concept of an idea coming to you, I believe that when an idea comes to you, you act Jump on it. on it. That's it right away. Wow. Otherwise, otherwise, a lot of times, you just don't do it. You lose the momentum. So if you mention something, that's why, you know, anyway, so I went, I took, I t- I took the file and I copied. I made copies on the copy machine in the store. I didn't even have a, like, I didn't even have a computer at this point. Right. I did copies. Copies. Oh, so you wrote an article for the guy? No. So I took my book. Oh, you I took like twenty pages from the book and I brought it in to them. And so two weeks go by, and I don't get an answer from this guy. So I call him up. I said, "What's going on? Did you read the book?" He said, "No, not yet." I said, "Can you read the book?" He says, "What?" He says, "Give me a, a couple more days." So I call him in a couple more days. He says, "Look, I'm sorry." He says, "I don't know if you have what it takes to write for us." Wow. I said, "Well, how are you going to know if you don't give me a chance?" Oh, great answer. So he says, I don't know. So I said, what do you suggest? He said, why don't you call Mishpacha or Hamodia and try writing for them? Now, here I, I stop and I say, you know, I have a tie on this guy. Now, Baruch Hashem, it worked out well, but he could have helped people and he didn't. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm very happy to help and to make to make shaduchim between people and to help. I have kids calling me up and emailing me. Could you? I'm a video person. Can I help you make videos of the choir? Sure, come down. The 17-year-old girl made five, six music videos for my choir wow. because she loves doing it. She's going to do this. She's going to work in this field. Right. And I've used her professionally on a movie of The Edge that's hopefully be coming out. Oh, yes. wow. And, and I've used her to edit, and, but she's done many videos for me because I said, yeah, you're good, you're talented. Come, let's do work together. I'll bring the choir and do whatever you want. Go for it. And wow. she's done amazing work and people have told me, they've asked, who's the person doing these videos? I, had, I don't know if you've heard of Shimmy Stauber. Shimmy Stauber is producer of, with me, The Story Experience. When Zadie was young, volume three, the Golden Crown, the, the sequel to that, he started. He was a bacher. He, he contacted me about doing graphics with me, and then he asked me to do an album together. And I and I gave him stories, and he did an album called The Story Experience. And he was a kid when he contacted me. He was fifteen, I don't know, sixteen maybe when he contacted me. A, a lot of young bacher girls. Can, how can I help? What can I do? And you know, I'm very happy to be involved. So here's a person coming to you. He's written a book. Right. It's gotten accepted. The worst. What? What? Give him a, a trial. Right. Assignment. Don't Save pay him. Right. What's the worst that can happen? You'll say no. Right. Give people a chance. He didn't do it. Anyways, he says to me, so I got off the phone and I am very upset at this guy. I'm like, just like, give a person a chance. I'm trying. I'm trying to, to make something of myself. Right. Here, you're a cold guy. You're trying to come on. Forward, like, but- come on. He didn't do it. So I, I and I, I picked up the Hamadia. I'm thinking it says like editorial offices. And I'm like, I can't call the editorial offices. <laughs> that's like that's like so scary. Editorial <laughs> offices, you know? And I put it back down, but I sat down and I wrote my first short story. It was called Rebbe Eli. It was a story of a kid who was like 14 years old, 15 years old, and he meets this younger man who is like a mentor to him, and then the younger man changes and becomes very Hasidish. It's a true story. It actually happened to me. I never told anyone this, but it happened, it happened to me. You're Eli? No, I was the kid. And I knew this guy who lived in Emmanuel, and then he became Hasidish. Like he was a regular guy, and then he became Hasidish and like changed, and he moved away, a whole story. So that was the story. I wrote the story. I never know what to do with it, but I wrote it. A few months go by. 
Rabbi Shua Lyman, who was one of the pioneers of the Jewish literary movement. He started a light magazine. He was the translator of, of, of Avram and Avram from German to English. Light, all the light books. He's the per, he, was one of the, he was one of the pioneers. Everyone in the, in the book business, they all knew of him. Mm-hmm. Shua Lyman, great man. He was a new newspaper starting in America, and he was going to be the editor temporarily. He asked me if you have any stories. I sent him a few stories. He accepted them. He published them. The newspaper went bankrupt after half a year. It folded. But by then, I was already confident enough. I pick up the newspaper, Hamadiyah, and I call the offices. I say, I get through to Sarah Chava Mizrahi, who would become another mentor of mine, the editor of the magazine. And I say, are you looking for writers? And she says to me, of course we are. And I said, great. She said, okay, send me some stuff. I sent her some stuff. It took us a while, but we end, we end up finding the cow that we're looking for. We have our unique story. And within a half a year, my, the genre of the Nachman Salta story developed. And around the world, people are loving these stories. And so, Baruch Hashem, you know, it's great. Now, you have to remember, the guy that I almost got a job for, right. he was doing PR pieces. Now I don't I don't like doing PR pieces. I do them once in a while for favors usually, right. but I, it's not I don't enjoy it. It's not creative, but I could have easily been sucked into that field and been doing that. Wow. But he turned me down. He sent me away. So I ended up. Hashem said, "No, that's not for you. You gotta you have to you have to be the person writing books that are gonna inspire people and they're gonna make people close to Hashem and they're gonna make people want to learn." And David, you, that's your job. So I'm, I'm not going to get you accepted by someone who does, who does PR pieces. I'm going to give you, going to send you away. You're going to sit down and write Rebelli. You're going to write short stories. And you have to remember, Hashem knows better. He has a plan for you. Anyways, a year later, Shabbos morning, sitting by a friend of mine by his house. There's another couple there. The lady looks familiar. After we, we make a mercy, I said, what do you do? She has a sheepish look on her face. She says, I work for that company. She says, <laughs> I was a secretary. That wow, you when you walked, walked in. in. She says, and she gets this look on her face and she says, we know we made a mistake. She says, <laughs> maybe you'll come work for us now. <laughs> so that's a story of rejection. And it taught me a tremendous amount about, you know, because there have been big, some big books that I thought I was going to get and that went to other people, but there's been big projects which I never thought I was going to get and I got. So Hashem really knows what each person is supposed to do. And if I don't get a project, I have to tell myself, you know, Hashem knows that that was not right for you, but He knows what is right for you. The fact that I'm writing, the, that I wrote a book about Yosef Wallace and we became really very close friends and he's the head of our Achim and like, you know, he says, to, he calls himself like, I'm this CEO and people are afraid of me and you're not, you know? And we have this like very unique relationship because if you write a book about someone, Nobody knows. I know. I know him better than anyone in the world. Right. And I know Rabbi Moshe, Doctor Moshe Katz, from nine out of ten, very well. And Leibish Friedman from London. Rabbi Leibish Friedman from London, our child of war. And a lot of people, you become really close. Rabbi Shalom Gold from from Harnof. I wrote his book to get with. You know, I My was buddy, the, the uh, writer, touching. Yeah, touching history. And I know him very. I don't know if there's anybody who knows Rabbi Gold better than me. That's the story. A lot of people are friends. A lot of people know him, but I know him really, really well. So. That's something very unique. And how does it work? What does I mean? There's so much more that we could talk about. It's, it's incredible. So I'm just going to jump into it. But you know, when do you come up with an idea for a book, or does article say, "Hey, I want you to"? It's the, um, usually me. Usually, I'm the one who comes up with the idea, and then I run it by them, or I don't run it by them because I know it's going to be a great book. And and Baruch Hashem, almost always, almost always, they if when I send them a book, they say, "Yeah, that's a great book. We're going to go for that." Sometimes Mimi Zaken will tell me things to change, and right. I have to work just because I've written 25 books. You know, I've written more books than I published. I don't use every book. I'll give you. I wrote, I wrote a book, a novel called David and Jonathan, mm-hmm. and I never published it because Mimi said it wasn't good enough. So yeah. I, I just put it. I just put it in the in the. I just put it in in the in the Geniza. It's in my computer, but I I never used it. 
Wow. That's it. So, and when you do a story, you just said when you, when you, you know, I mean, you know, like Rabbi Gold, and how, how does it work? You, you just interview him for 10 hours at a time? Like, no, how, I interview him for about two hours at a time. 10 hours at a time is a lot of No, time. I don't mean 10 hours at a time. But I mean, I, I'll do like 20 hours of interviews. Oh, it'll be like 20 15, hours and you record them hours. and then you take that I record that back? it, I take it home and I, and I write it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work, but, but you know, when they do this, they know that it's going to be an amazing book afterwards and I'm going to, ca- I'm going to capture their voice. And every voice is unique, and every project is unique, and I'm going to capture their voice, hopefully. Okay, so you, you mentioned before you originally uh, were with Targum, then you moved over to Art School. So Targum Press kind of folded at, at, the, at, at some point. Right. Abidambi passed away, and then they, went, they ran into difficulties, and it, it was management difficulties, different bosses, and then eventually Mimi Zekon left and was hired by Art School. Okay. And then I was I was writing Child of War at the time. I mean, Leibish was a funny story. I get a call one day, one Friday morning, this... Uh, Older gentleman, he's on the phone. He says to me, hey, I want to meet with you. You know, I said, Who are you? My name is Ablaibish Friedman. Ah, nice to meet you. I'm in the Ramada. Can you come to the Ramada? This is Friday morning, Ablaibish. <laughs> can, can we do this on, uh, you know, on Sunday? He says, No, I need to see you right now. <laughs> so I, I went. He's he not, knowing, not knowing who he, he was. He wants me to write a book about him. He I says he read, he read nine out of ten. He wanted it. He loved it. Only you, he says. So, so I met with him and I, he, he showed me a manuscript that he wrote and I turned that into a, you know, a couple hundred pages and um, Baruch Hashem was a very successful book. And so that was nice. Yeah. What's considered a successful book in the Jewish world today? Um, when people ask me successful today, I would say today and today because because of the magazines, which really hurt the book industry. Interesting. Okay. Because people don't have people to buy books. People are getting satisfied. Well, yeah, they the... have. They have every every week you could buy you know five hundred pages worth of writing. Right. So and you could most people I, I finish them fast, but most people it takes them they don't usually finish everything they buy. Right. So in order for you to buy a book, it has to be really really good because you're getting eight books every week. Mm-hmm. So today, a really successful book is like ten thousand copies. Ten thousand. Copies. That's really successful. Yeah. Right. I mean, Reb Nassim Svi sold a lot more, but that's, again, Reb Chaim, Reb Tzankarievsky sold a lot, uh, 50,000 copies. But that's 50, because, 000, yeah, wow. but that's because it's Reb Tzankarievsky. Sure. Reb Nassim Svi or, or uh, Reb Yashiv. These are, these are one, these are like unique books about sure. unique personalities and general books today. Oh, Reb David Asher sold, sold an incredible amount of books. His book was a very big seller. Living in Moon or something like that. It was a big, big hit. But in general books today, you know, the numbers are not high. So a book, a book that sells 10,000 is, is a very nice book. A very, it's a very successful book. Yeah. Excellent. So you moved over to, so Mimi moved over so to So she called Archibald. me up one day when I was writing Child of War and she said, um, listen, could you write a, a novel for us? Because in the beginning, when I first started my career, I was writing novels, which I've moved away from since, and I pretty much don't write novels anymore. Now I write, I write true stories, I write Sfarim, 48 was the Memchas Kinyani Torah, was a Sefer, Ashkafa Sfarim, Musa Sfarim. Today, the stories are Hechetim Sudigeto, it's like Sfarim. But in the beginning, I was writing novels, and she said, could you write a novel for us? I said, I have like a 60 pages on my computer of a novel I started. I sent it to her, she liked it. So she said, do me a favor, I, I want to, let's do a novel. So I said, okay. And I wrote The Network. The Network, I consider my finest novel. And that was with my first book with Art Scroll. After that, Child of War came out with Art Scroll. And then um, It Could Have Been You came out with Art Scroll, which was a huge hit. It, it Could Have Been You was a very big hit. And Baruch Hashem, since then, we've done like 14 books to you, 15 books to you. So overall, it's been 22 books, uh, many of them with Art Scroll. Amazing, amazing. And and how, you know, I guess as your career expands, as you uh, have more experience and come out more books, so the, the terms of your, I guess, the contracts would be different. I yeah, assume. yeah. Like did you get an upfront fee now? I don't ask for an upfront fee, but uh, I get I get more percentages than than most people. Yeah, right. Excellent. So, so let's talk a little bit about the choir because I mean, it's, 
I mean, just to be a, a talented writer and to come out with books and publishing is, is fantastic. But you also have this big, you know, music background. And you know, we spoke about before being part of Miami Boys Choir, and now you have the choir. What was you said from a young age, you always want to have your own choir. Yeah. So is that a business thing? Is that or also is that a, it's yeah. also a business? But to me, I look at I look at the choir and the writing and the, look at, I'll divide it up. Let's say the learning is the learning, right? right? So I have the learning. Then I have the teaching. The teaching. I'm I'm teaching hundreds of girls and Bachram on a weekly basis. Over the years, thousands of students. Baruch Hashem. That's great. Plus, I speak around the world and I shoot them online. So I'm reaching a lot of people with Torah, which is great. And that's outside. That's like writing is very much focused to the whole world. The whole world is reading. Uh, I could, you know, Baruch Hashem, I could go anywhere in the world, any Jewish community, and people be like, ah, wow, Shalom Aleichem, nice to meet you. They feel like they know me. Right. Because they read my stories and I write it in a very personal way. So they feel like they know me. The choir, it's out there. It reaches a lot of people. We have some of the music videos have millions of hits. I reach a lot of people and feedback from all over the world. However, my focus is very much an internal focus on developing the boys. I have like 70 boys in the choir between Yushalayim and Bechemesh. And wow. Yeah. And, and we, the focus is very, it's like an internal focus. It's like development of these boys so that when they leave the choir and go to yeshiva, they will develop into serious B'nai Torah. They've maximized their childhood. They've gotten, they've used it. They've, they feel great about themselves. And now they're going to move on to learn with happiness and with simchas nefesh. Beautiful, beautiful. How many albums have... have the uh... choirs, we've put out five albums. And Chakalai, Arevim Zelazeh, the Hanukkah album, Ala Torah, and Am Yisrael. I also put out an album called Visions in, 95, in 2005. All, all English songs I produced. And... Also, the story experience, which is stories. My stories brought to life, like acting, like as if it's a yeah, it's like an audio production. Right. The choir, besides for the choir's own albums, the choir sings on many albums of singers like David Gabe and Rach Levine and Yaakov Shweki, three albums of Shweki and uh, Lipa, Ake Appella. I just Moshe uh, Mendelowitz the is on um Productions many 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 albums of many singers they're on the choir sings on Shlomi Daskal the list go, the list is very long amazing and amazing. so the choir has been a guest on many 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 albums fantastic that's great so I mean you also said you, you just mentioned that you're a Rebbe also you give Shiram I give a, I'm a Rebbe in a lot of schools what schools just uh... I'm a Rebbe in Peninim I'm a Rebbe in, in, in the Toma Devora I'm a Rebbe in Olamot I'm a Rebbe by, I, was, I, I was just teaching now by the Newcomers Learning Center in Yerushalayim I'm a, I'm a Rebbe in uh, there's a seminary in Beit Shemesh I've given Shiram in, in many yeshivas I was a Rebbe in OJ for, for a number of years I was a Rebbe in a yeshiva called Netzach and I taught in Ardavid I taught a lot of yeshivas and a lot of seminaries and uh and then that's besides for the speaking, you know, in different places and different venues around the world also. Or let's say somebody will call me and they'll say, oh, you know, there's something called Temech, which is a women's organization. Like something they do. Right, they're they're entrepreneurial. entrepreneurial uh, right. Yeah. And so they have, they have once a year, they have this big convention. So I was one of the keynote speakers at the convention. So there's a lot of speaking going on at different venues, different places. They're opening now in Lila Nishmas, Rebetzin Machlis. They're going to be a learning center in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Oh, I'll wow. be speaking there every Thursday morning. So there's a lot of speaking and Baruch Hashem, a lot of Torah learning and teaching. Beautiful. I mean, I, I don't know how you have it time here day for you know just running a choir just writing a book just writing articles every week it, it takes a tremendous amount of time i mean that's uh i joke around. I, I always tell people if i would use my time then i would be like, who knows what i could do if i really use my time <laughs> <You> really <laughs> <is>. <laughs> well i mean you just mentioned before also uh, I just meant, is, is fascinating you're turning your first book the edge into a into film? a mo- into a film how's that what's that so tell me about that so um i met a young director who had produced his first movie and I could do like a film movie. I met him. He's a Talmud of Nissan also. So I gave him, I said, okay, let's see what you can do. Like, you, you know, you want to do another one. Here's the edge. You like that? Let's see what, you know, let's collaborate. Let's see what you can come up with. Right. And we used the whole Eretz Yisrael as a stage. 
whole Eretz Yisrael. I'm talking from Herzliya to, to to Masada to Eilat to Tzvas to Yerushalayim, the old city, and all the whole Eretz Yisrael is a stage for this film, and it's it's the book coming to life. And all the places that I was thinking about while I was writing it, you see it actually coming to life, which is beautiful to, to watch. Wow! The, you know, I had in mind the yeshiva Berkshire Torah in the old city. That was the yeshiva in the book. So we actually filmed in Berkshire Torah in the old city. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing. You went to Berkshire Torah? No, no, it's a Balshuvi yeshiva. Right, right, right. Today it's not so much. No, I didn't go to Berkshire Torah. I didn't go to Balshuvi yeshiva, but I went to it's a great yeshiva. I went to no, I went to mostly primarily to the mirror, and I learned Rabbi Shai Treff, right, and right. I also learned Torah R, and I learned in uh, I learned I learned Torah. I learned Torah also, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, this is this has been such an incredible story. To, still, so much uh, you know, I want to talk to you about. First of all, a uh, special shout out to uh, Yitzhak uh, Saflast, who uh, oh, Rabbi Yitzhak Saflast, who's the president of CEO. You told me you did some writing for him. Ba- bottom line marketing um, group, and he Rabbi Yitzhak is one of the most energetic and go getters, talented people that I know. He's incredible. He's a bridge between like this our small business world that's a firm world and the much larger ocean. Rabbi Yitzhak has like this this talent. He's able to see as like a really broad mind he's able to see and really relate to the whole world he's able to bridge the gap between business in the little in, the, in our from world and the whole big world out there by online marketing group and i've been zeicha he's he he handles the dirshu account for david hafstetter of david hafstetter and i've done a lot of work for dirshu through rabitzkuk saflis and i went to, to, to radin I covered that for Dirshu and Paris, covered their events in Paris and the Siyama Shas, the choir sang at the Siyama Shas, and we also covered the writing at Yad Elio. And so it's been a very long and fruitful relationship and through Rizkik Safla, as they also ended up writing 25 pieces about Aaron Cutler for his 50th yard site for Lakewood. So wow. there's been some really amazing collaborations between Rizkik Safla and myself, and it's a, it's, it's a privilege. And also through, with Nachum Siegel, we've done a lot of things together. Nachum and Rizkik works with Nachum Siegel a lot. I did a live interview live from Volazhin to at the Kever of Chaim Volazhner. Wow. Wow. To, on the day of Jewish unity, which was uh, this big thing a few months ago, and it's been a great ride. Rabbi Yitzchok is really, he's truly yeah, a, I, I, I this person. Person from, he's uh, on episode 30, and he was just so giving and so, such a mensch, and I, I just, such, I mean, I'm keeping up with him because he's just such an enjoyable person he's to, great. to speak with and to and to, to talk to and very giving of his time. He, you know, he's also brilliant when he manages, let's say you have a meeting, you have 10 people at the meeting, right? and let's say somebody comes up with a point, let's say that's, that's not like for the, he'll be like, okay, listen, we have to keep we have to keep to the, he's like very focused, like in a, in a very nice way, but like very focused. We got to get, and he's like, he, he has eye on the goal. He's like, you could, there's a lot to learn from Rabbi Slixaflis. Yeah, so let me just, I, I, I appreciate, you know, the time you've taken for this interview, and it's really such incredible content, and so great really getting to know you, uh, you know, on a deeper level. Uh, just a couple more questions. One, so first of all, what is next for you? Like, what what is still the dream that you haven't done yet? You have, you've written books, you wrote a choir, you have music produced, you've written for magazines, articles, you have a, 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 a book turning into a movie, uh, you teach you speak around the world. What What's next in your list? What is it something that you still want to do, something you still want to achieve? Oh, I stumped him. Um, <laughs> no, no, uh, things develop. Things de- like, things develop all the time, you know? Like, the movie was something that came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it. The speaking is developing all the time. Like, you know, I don't speak. I'm not... I'm not in chutzlarts that much, so I, that might be something which. But again, I, I'm I don't I don't I don't actively work to develop my speaking career because I have a lot going on in Eretz Yisrael and. I don't have so much time. Right. So I don't work for that. Like I don't organize speaking towards myself. This is the time. And I, I like being home with my family and it takes so much time and there's so much going on here that every time I come back, it's like I have to jump back into this like schedule. So 
kind of a dream is to speak a lot more. You know, the, the convention, well, we've, we've spoken, I've spoken to my good friend Shai Marcos, we were Harusas Barra Berkowitz together, and he's today one of the heads of the Aguda Young Leadership, and he organizes the, CM, the, the Aguda convention. And there was talk, we would, you know, I would come in to speak. You know, that's, you know, you know a couple of years. I would like, you know, I would like to be there. I would like to be talking at the Good Convention. I would like to be talking at, you know, all these, all the big things in America, mm-hmm. which I do some of it, right. but I, I don't have time. But I, you know, I would like to that be. Is something you want to I would like for. to be speaking. You know, on the other hand, I so I'm again, I I um I struggle with it. It's like it's a mixed feelings. On the one hand, theoretically, right now I could work hard. I could work at developing this part of my life and do it a lot more if I want. Right. There's so much going on over here. So, <laughs> so like you asked me a dream. So, yeah, it's a dream to be out there, to be speaking even more than now, to take that up to the next level, mm-hmm. which, Baruch Hashem, it's great, but there's always room to grow in that area. On the other hand, the dream, I don't know. I, I struggle with that dream. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So you understand? So, so that right now, at this, at this point, as people contact me, come, so then it's always for sure, I'm going to come, but I don't actively go out there to do this. What about writing projects? Do you have like ideas in your head, like things you really want well, to do? Well, I have a couple stuff, um, you know, lined up. We're, we're, well, after, after this book with Rabbi Wallace, which is coming out in March, incredible. <laughs> so I've written a book together with Rev Yeshua Lif, the Roshiva of Ner Yaakov, sure. Shlita, a great man. And this book will be called, I've written a book called Inside Their Homes. And that was a very big hit. Sure. With a good friend That's of mine fantastic. from Rabbi Shemesh. Right. About many good was Now, this book with Rabbi Lif is also a similar book called Inside Their Lives, tentatively. And it's a book about Rabbi Lif growing up as a kid in Neri Yisrael. His father's a Rebbe in Neri Yisrael. He grew up in the home playing stupol on the house of Rav, of Rav Rudiman's front steps with the Meshkech of David Kronglass. And after Neri Yisrael, he went to Staten Island Yeshiva and he became close to Rav Ruvain, Feinstein, and the Rosh Hashiva of Moshe, Rav Moshe and the Rosh Hashiva of Ruvain. They were both Rosh Hashivas. He became very close to the Feinstein family and the Rosh Hashivas of Ruvain and Rav Moshe. And a lot of stories about Rav Moshe Feinstein. In fact, Rabbi Lif was the person the Feinstein family chose when Rav Moshe's body was brought to Eretz Yisrael for the Leviah. He was the person in charge of who went into the, the, the which Rosh Hashivas like, were, were taken into the actual Besmedish and Eitz Chaim where wow. the Leviah was being held. And he was the person who the Hebra Kadisha handed the talis to after they put Rav Moshe in the ground and he told me Ramesha was in transit for three days since he passed away the talus was completely dry and everybody who handled Ramesha said it smelled like an Aden. wow so after Rav Moshe, he went to, he went to, and after the Stan Island with Rav Ruven or Rav Moshe, incidentally Rav Ruven is still his rabbi till today he went to the Mir Yeshiva and he became very close to Cheshwit Levitz, or Nachum Pertzavitz, or Rabbeinish Finkel. Oh my God. And he started his own yeshiva. He became very close to Rabshach, Rabshlam Zalman, Rabbi Yashiv. He drove Rabbi Yashiv to the Kaisal of Rosh Hashanah for 20 years. They called him. Really? Yes. He was called, the family called him the Bal Chazaka. Wow. Because he was Rabbi Yashiv's driver for 20 years to the Kaisal of Rosh Hashanah and the Chazan of the Minion. Wow. Rabbi Nachman Bowman. We're oh talking about with uh, Rabbi Rav, uh, Rosh Hashiv of, of, of Sameach, of, um, Rav, Rabbi Weinbach, Rabbi Mendel Weinbach. So we're talking about an amazing book of of G'daylim, of the G'dayli Oilam that, you know, we all have heard of. So there's a whole different group of G'daylim, but amazing stories and personal, you know, anecdotes and stories with Rabbi Lif. Very personal, very beautiful, and just an insight to Rabbi Gifter and his time in Telstow. Because Rabbi Lif lived in Telstow at that time. So he was like a Ben Bias by Rav Gifter when he wow. was living in Telstow. Just amazing stuff. Amazing wow. stuff. So that's the next project. Then there's another book of Hamadiyah stories. And then there's, I have a, a, you know, a couple other ideas you know, percolating. So I'm writing a book now with Rabbi Yaakov Daniel Travis. Another one of these. But this was about halachic figures and Bali Musser. I'm a big fan of Rabbi, Rabbi Travis. He wrote... Um, Many books. 20 books. Wow. So right. he, but he came to me to write this book, another insider book. 
Uh-huh. It's a it's a certain type of book which he wanted me to be the one to write it. So I'm working on that. Tumbali Musser, Rav Pinkus, Rav Volba, Rav 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 Brevda. So there's a whole different group of Ogedayim, whole different kind. So Baruch Hashem, like a lot of nice projects. I'm doing a project now for for kids, you know, about about one of uh, one of the main figures of Tanakh. It'll be illustrated. That'll be a beautiful project. A lot of different projects. You asked me what's my dream. You know, to, to keep on doing what I'm doing and to be, to reach more and more people. That's my dream. My dream is to reach more and more and more people. Baruch Hashem, when families buy my books, one, a fa- once a family starts, usually they, 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 there's a shelf. So my dream is that will be a shelf of my books and my messages in every house in Klyasol. That's not just in the newspaper, not just in the magazines, but also you're going to have the books to read and reread because they should be in every Jewish home. They're, they're messages that are important about Chinuch and about being Makir HaKadosh Baruch in the world and they think they should be in every home. And that's, so that's my dream, yeah, to reach a point where every time a book comes out, everybody feels like this is something that should be purchased. And Baruch Hashem, we keep on working towards that end and I'm sure other things will come up you know sure I mean it, it, projects I'm sure will just keep coming your way and, uh, you know, as long as you you know you keep being Marbit's Torah and uh, you know Baruch Hashem it was, uh, it'll, it'll continue to come Mr. Hashem. it was an interesting thing I'll tell you one la- we're, 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 we're wrapping up I'll tell you an interesting thing years ago there was a, an Avrich it was, I don't think he wasn't an Avrich uh, one of the people down in the Gra came to me and told me Friday night he told me a story about a safer called Zera Shimshan. And this Sefer saves his father, he credits it with saving his father-in-law's life. There was a story about the Sefer that nobody knew about. Tremendous Segulo. I wrote the story. I wrote the story. And around the world, there was like a a frenzied rush to buy buy Zera Zera Shimshan. It was out of print. Boom. (laughs) A few years later, I'm in America and I get a call. This guy tracked me down and he, he says he wants to meet with me. So I meet with him in Borough Park and he comes with the new updated version of Zerah Shimshan. And he says, you don't know what this what, what happened because of this story. Like the um, interest, you have to write a follow-up piece. So I wrote a follow-up piece in Hamadiyah. And again, like the whole world, the stories and the, the amount of people and the interest. There are a website that somebody opened up to write the Torah of the Zerah Shimshan. There are wow. like a bunch of, of weekly newsletters that come out devoted to Zerah Shimshan. Like from different in Yiddish, in Hebrew, in English. It's like, it's for now, it's got a worldwide thing about Zer Shimshan. They want to do another one now. In the book, I have an amazing story for you. We, we put that piece in, and the interest is just growing, and the miracles and the stories are incredible. So that's, you know, that's a big zechus, you know, right. that through the Siat of the Shemaya, I was able to reach people literally all over the world who are learning this safer. We're going Torah learning, Hanad to somebody, a big child who passed away without children. And Segulas and beautiful things for Klai Yisrael. So these are great, these are Chemez Brachas. Right, it also shows you, like, it's not just, I mean, plus, you don't even know the impact that you've had on individuals. I mean, this is just one story that's had such tremendous impact on Klai Yisrael, but, you know, you never know what piece you've written, what story you've written that's affected generations and you'll, 100%. you'll, you'll know out of the stream. But that's, and that's, I think, and, and we can wrap up with this. I mean, I actually, I There's one last you. thing I would want to tell you. When you brought this point up, I'll tell you a point. You said you don't know the, you never know the the impact the story has, but there was one story that actually someone in Rabbi Chemish told me yeah. and they said that, she said, she works in an office in Rabbi Chemish and there was a lady in the office 30 years old, not married. So she said that the lady was about to get engaged. So she told her kids and one son was like, yeah, I know. She's like, how do you know? He's like, how do I know? Oh, whatever, I know. She's like, how do you know? He's 11. I know, she, he said, because I, I got into, a few days ago, I got into a fight. I was playing ball in the yard in the school. I got into a fight. A kid started yelling at me. And I had three choices. I could either beat him up, could yell back at him, or I said, I'm going to be quiet. And this chus of me being quiet is going to go, I said to Hashem, it should go that this girl should get engaged within the month. So I'm not surprised. You tell me she got engaged. I'm not surprised. I, I, I made a deal with Hashem. I'm not surprised. So listen to what happened. So the lady comes into the office. She's telling all the friends about this. She, every, like, look, look at my amazing son. Right. You know, he's so awesome. Look at him. <laughs> so another lady says, my daughter, 16, she went in school. The girls weren't getting along with their teacher. 
They're not getting along with the teacher. And so what does she do? They make it for, they're, they're chutzpah. She tells the class, listen, what we're going to do. Every girl, make a list. Every girl will put a name of someone they want to see get married on this list. Every class that we're quiet and we have derech as the teacher, let's see what happens per class. He says, amazing thing. Two weeks later, six girls on the list have gotten engaged. No. Yeah. I write this story. So this girl who got engaged, the 30-year-old was on the list. Wow. I write this story. By the time the story, a few weeks later, the list was up to 10. Are you kidding I'm, me? I'm, 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 it's, it's amazing. I, I write the story in the paper and I said, this is what happened. This is the story. Sixth, 10, I get emails. Class in England. Class in America. Class in Eretz Israel. Doing this. The list, 20. People who, 40 year olds who were never married. It was, it was just not, it was not normal. So, so yeah, you're right. We don't always hear, here and there, you hear about the results. And I mean, like that, that was just amazing. The results of a story we're talking about. You know, tens of people, tens of couples who got married. That's amazing. That's It's a big bracha. And, and, and I don't take it, you know, it's not a, it's not a, I don't look at it lightly. It's like a tremendous bracha that he makes me to be the person to spread these messages. And it's a big schos. It's a big schos. Wow. And I'm and, and I just want to just remind the listeners about something you had said earlier is that you have this Galea talent. Imagine if you didn't go out and do it. Imagine if you decided, you know what, I'm not writing is not for me. I'm just gonna, I don't know, whatever. But that the fact that you had the skills and talents and you recognized it and you did something with it and not just sit back on it, you know, you've been able to be so uh, on so many people. And I'm just yes. asking, so every person has to use their talents. Every person has to maximize their talents. Every person has talents. And on that, I'm just gonna ask you one last question because this is, maybe we'll have to do a second interview at some point. But, <laughs> okay, when? Tomorrow. <laughs> 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 well, tomorrow being Shabbos, I won't say Shabbos. No, but uh, what is someone that wants to get into writing today? A young guy, young girl, she wants to get, or you know, get into writing today in the Jewish world. What what's the best advice you can give them? Best advice: write a piece, two, three pieces, and then find somebody who's connected in the Jewish world and ask them to send it into their editor. Mm. Right? For example, a student of mine just called me yesterday, right. and she was upset about something that happened to her, and she had, and and she wanted to turn it into a piece. One of the magazines. I said, write it up right now. Send it to me, and I will forward it to the magazine which I feel is appropriate for this piece. And she did it yesterday. I sent it back to her with comments. She fixed it. I have to read the fixed version and then send it into this magazine. I know someone at the magazine, and I think it's right for this magazine, and I hope it's going to be accepted. And who knows where this is going to lead to? So don't just send it blind. A bit of advice is to it's always good to use the connections you have to get into places that people will take you more seriously. It's always good. Uh, Reb Nachman, this has been absolutely incredible. I am. I, I, I loved every every minute of this interview. I've learned so much personally. Mutual, I'm inspired. Mutual. I'm Amish inspired. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for for uh, taking the time to meet with us and uh, telling your story over to our listeners. And you know, Hashem should give you a tremendous bracha, mazlacha, miles. You continue to be able to do this for uh, many years to come. Amen. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on the on the show, and I hope we'll do this again soon. Yeah. Thank That's you very much. Kaltov. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliach.